From Optimized Health, this is the True Health Podcast, where we unlearn diet culture and optimize our life, one tip and story at a time. My guest today is somebody I completely adore, uh, Melissa Louis-Jacques, or more lovingly known as MJ. She is a former health coaching client, and we are going to do a deep dive today on what the experiences were like for her. Um, MJ is somebody I could talk about forever and... Once you listen, you will see why, but she is uh, an incredible person. Um, she is a native New Yorker. She is based in Brooklyn. She works as a freelance multidisciplinary creative producer um, and also occasionally works as an adjunct professor in marketing. Um, in her free time, MJ is found roaming museums, trying out restaurants and bars, or cuddled up at home reading a good book. Um, we are about to dive into essentially what the experience was like, not just working together, it's not specifically about health coaching, um, as much as sharing kind of examples of how everyday people can um, upgrade their health in kind of an actually healthy way. So MJ, welcome. I am pumped to have you. Hi, I'm pumped to be here. Thank you. How are you? What's going on? I'm doing really well. I was really excited um, to join today because I think I'm in a fun part of my um, fitness lifestyle journey. So I think this is a nice time to do this. Amazing. Well, I was looking back, um, you know, I just mentioned it. We've done now two of these episodes with other um, clients. Um, if anybody is curious, those are episode seven and episode 10 um, to check those out. But you know, these are some of my favorite conversations because although, yes, I have episodes of like me sharing my own beliefs, there are episodes with kind of, um, you know, uh, experts in the health and fitness world and that sort of thing. I think like what people need to hear more of in this space are just people that they can relate to that are working and have either families or partners or whatever. And it's just like, getting through the day and you are a prime example of that. And I know people are going to get a lot from it. Totally. I agree. So walk us through just to jump into it. I looked back. So we started working together May, 2020. Pandemic. Pandemic, prime pandemic, uh, mm -hmm. May, 2020. And we worked together for about 10 months. So yeah. it was like end of January. Yeah. Um, so it's been a little while, but when you look back, do you remember prior to working together, like where your head was at, what you might've been going through? I know it was prime pandemic, but just kind of like before all of this stuff, uh, started together. Yeah. I mean, totally. I, um, I think before we started working together, my fitness was very touch and go. I think a lot of us aren't are misinformed of how to get on the right track for us. So what I mean by that is like doing bar classes because all the girls at my job were doing that or doing Pilates or, you know, not really focusing on my nutrition or thinking if I go like really, really hard one week that I'll be, you know, super fit forever versus like consistency and those kind of things that I think eventually with training become obvious, but actually really aren't obvious for the, the, the masses, you know, to be quite frank with you. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, when I started working with you, um, my, my job, I, I was still lucky to have a job, but I wasn't having anything to do. So my days went from being 120%, uh, capacity to being like 5% capacity. And I think like a lot of other folks, I, wasn't really sure what to do with myself um, without having a job, especially as like a New Yorker where, you know, like our, we, we live to work. A lot of us, unfortunately, we're programmed that way. So having that great pause um, and to slow down um, really forced me to rethink not necessarily my fitness, but it actually caused me to rethink my mental health because with all the news we were getting and, and, you know, having all that time to myself, I started realizing that it was much more, it was just as much a mental game as a physical game. Mm. Um, and that my fitness 
was something that was going to really help my mental health. So that's, that's honestly what brought me most to wanting to kind of get into, um, that lifestyle and that, and I want to say lifestyle, not fitness, because for me, it wasn't just about going to the gym. It was about understanding how to take better care of myself, like a 360 approach, um, and how to not see it as like being hard on myself or, or just working out. So I actually very fondly think back of that time. And I very fondly refer to you and optimize health as, as basically what introed me and held my hand and kind of skipped with me along the way. Cause it was like a nice journey into a lifestyle that still very much impacts the way that I approach my daily. Um, so I that, that I, I, I loved my experience with you, you know, that, and I think I, it was excellent foundation for me. Yeah. And I think what you said, uh, well, thank you. Thank you yeah. for that. But, um, you said something really interesting that I want to touch on is, you know, that a lot of people have been, conditioned or brainwashed into thinking, um, you know, they're always the next program away or the next detox away or the next hit class that their friend or coworker is doing away from just like having it fixed. And I think as you go down, you know, the journey, so to speak, um, which is evolving all the time, you realize none of that exists. And all of that is actually just sales and marketing that we're kind of sold. And in reality, it's just like the best thing you can do is learn the cues your body and mind are already giving you and learn how to listen and adapt. And I think also not approaching it with such a punitive mindset was what was something that was really transformative to me. You know, like it wasn't like, oh, I, like I need to take better care of myself. I need to push myself. I need to lose weight. I need to get stronger. I need to look like this. It was like changing that mindset of instead of like, nourishing and strengthening myself and and kind of like being good you know it, it's actually yeah. a self-care practice and not a punishment and i think our society especially with women really pushes it to sort of be like this this punishment wow. um I, yeah i think that's so interesting because i always think about the punishment concept as it relates to i mean all of it yes but i always think a lot about fitness as punishment where it's kind of like, oh, I ate dessert last night, so I'm going to do an extra hour on the elliptical the next day, or I'm going to take that really intense hit class that I always get injured from, but I'm going to do it tomorrow because my watch tells me I burn 600 calories when I do it. Um, or like, you don't deserve that dessert, or like, you don't deserve that carb, or, you know, or like, these these weird things we sort of tell ourselves that are just really like negative, and I think harmful, negative self-talk. Well, I also think there's, um, I remember, I forget who I was talking to. I was talking to somebody about this and they, they referred to it as conditional eating where it's like, I will eat blank food if I've done this other thing. Mm -hmm. So like I'll eat dessert if I worked out a lot today or something like that, where like I can only eat based on blank condition or some of you know, giving yourself permission by doing something else. So like when you... So that was one thing to note. The other thing you said that I thought was really interesting was talking about the mental health piece, which is sort of like noticing, and you knew this up front, by the way, looking back on this, like you intuitively had this part of you that was like, if I eat right and sleep well and hydrate and move my body, those things will all connect to my mental health, which most people don't discover until they're well into it. Mm. So was that just like you had some instinct, like, uh, like a lot of people go, oh, I'm really stressed. I need to either self soothe in some way or go drink or some way to relax or, you know, food as comfort for that. Or maybe I need to go to a therapist, but most people don't immediately connect to like nutrition and movement as a response yeah. to mental health. I think it's because my, um, partner, and my best friend have, they very much integrate a lot of movement into their life and are very mindful of what they're, they're eating and et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I think having that around me was something. Um, and I think honestly, <laughs> I wish it was deeper than this, but I think I just didn't have anything to do. So I signed up for the Nike 30 day challenge, like with the app, Uh huh. the gyms were closed. I didn't know what to do. I had yeah. all this time. So I did the 30 day challenge where you work out every day for 30 days. And I think I, I loved it. I ended up, I think by the time I connected with you, it was because I did that challenge. Or at the end of it. Yeah. yeah I, I, 
because I was just doing the same challenge. And I was like, you know, and, and, and it made me feel good. Like it made me feel like I had a purpose. Like it was, I mean, I just like really pump myself up during my workouts, you know, like I'm listening. I have this playlist that I created called bad bitches get fit. And I just remind myself, like, I just like, you know, positive mantras and reminding me like, who do you want to be? Like you are strong. And just really like, bringing myself up in that hour, just like constant mantras of positivity and pushing myself in in that way. Mm. Um, so I ended up really loving it and you're getting all those natural endorphins. And, um, so I think like the correlation I saw pretty quickly because I was just doing it so frequently, you know, like if you're working out five days, five times a week, you know, and then it has this domino effect, right? Like your body is yearning, certain nutrients, whether you're cognizant of it or not, like what you're eating. I remember like with us, when we worked together, I wasn't eating enough. I don't know if you remember that, but I got like only eating salads and you're like, it's okay to like have have some bread with that, you know, or like brown rice, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was, it wasn't as deep. It was just kind of like it, it happened instantaneously. And then I saw the ripple effect and, Um, I mean, my job has a lot of unnecessary stress and it's been a game changer. Um, and that's when I was working with you too. It was such a game changer to work out regularly. Um, Mm. its impact on helping me manage my stress was, was immense. Like it was insane. So I, I think, um, it's funny because like every sentence you're saying, I feel like we could talk about for an hour, but I think, I think it's. What's overrated is working out to burn calories and what's underrated is working out to manage your stress. Totally. Like the core of the whole thing. Like anybody I know who's really fit or really consistent, nobody's doing it to have big biceps. They're doing it to like stay sane throughout the day or because it's the hour of the day to like have time to themselves or the endorphins that come from it or all of it, you know? I was just going to say, I find the same thing when people are healthily approaching that, like, you know, they're working out six times a week or they're working out on vacation or they're working out before a big day or whatever. Um, the people that are doing it healthily, not in like a negative way, it's because it's it's purely for, for, um, for, um, mental health. hundred percent where you're just like, I become a better person if I do this and you're less irritable and you're less stressed and you're just in a better mood. I feel more confident way more confident, especially like strength workouts. You just feel so sort of like empowered and strong and good from that. Yeah. Um, with, with um, one other thing you said, I want to talk about, you said, especially with women, you were talking, I think it applies to a lot of what you were saying, but you were talking about how, when we first started, you were under eating. And this mm-hmm. is like incredibly common because most people think the goal at all times should just be to lose as much weight as humanly possible and eat as little as possible. Or they've been without even consciously thinking that in culture, it's like, oh, I'm supposed to eat only this salad with no dressing and no protein on it or whatever. You just like all these stories, like, where do you think that comes from for people or for women specifically? I mean, I think it's, it's generational, it's societal. For me, it's kind of like a, an oxymoron. Um, it contradicts my cultural upbringing. I'm, I'm Chinese and I'm Caribbean. So um, in those cultures, you're always eating, you're, you're eating, eating, eating. So I think that's what my, I don't want to say problem, but that's where my disconnect was because I at home was raised to just kind of overeat, to be honest with you. And I didn't know how to sort of manage that. Mm. Um, I didn't realize it was... Yeah, portions, but also about like what I'm actually eating. So I think I turned to the girls that I was working with. I turned to um, the girls on social media. Wow, I feel really basic saying this out loud, but that's true, right? I mean, this is the reality. This is fine. It's not reality. Yeah, like the reality is that, you know, I'm a super independent thinker. Um, You know, I like to make decisions for myself, but yeah, like I'm on Instagram. I'm seeing these girls, you know, super thin, promoting, eating like literally nothing. Um, where I was working at the time, I worked with a lot of women that I don't think were 
the healthiest with their approach to health. So it was a lot of encouragement to like eat as minimal as possible Mm. salads and chicken and just like really like just kind of like boring food. And that's why, that's why I also brought up punitive at the beginning of this, because to me, that's so punitive. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're working all day and you're going to have this like little romaine, like a few, few lettuce, little pieces of lettuce and a tomato. It's like, just like stare at the wall and tell yourself you're full. (laughs) Yeah. It's horrible. I mean, but I think that's so spot on. You're right. And I think on the social media front, we all get trapped by that. And I find even myself where I'm like, all the ads I get on Instagram are health and fitness related and it's coaches and trainers and programs. And, and a lot of times I'll be like, I'll find myself just scrolling aimlessly like everybody else. And at a certain point I'm like, Oh, like I will literally be like, this is like bullshit. Like this is so terrible. Like, why am I even looking at this? You know, but it gets in your brain. Like you see the same thing over and over. Um, And then you're right that I do think, you know, it's probably the most common thing. And it's not even, I don't want to say, oh, this is specific to women. I think it happens to everybody. But with female clients we've worked with, that's maybe the number one misconception or challenge is getting people to honestly, like, not be scared of food, like, (laughs) which sounds weird, but it's true. Like, there's, we're in a culture where it's sort of like, oh, you're going to eat that or you're comparing yeah. yourself, you're sitting at lunch with your friend. This goes back to like when you're a kid in the cafeteria and the school yeah. and stuff, you know what I mean? It's like fitting in and all of it is cultural. And I mean, the reality is it's like body dysmorphia is yeah. very normal. Like that's kind of just being a person in society now. We just don't really talk about it all the time. Yeah. And I think it's definitely a cultural thing. I mean, like where I, where I grew up, there wasn't a lot of minorities. Like I grew up with like a lot of Caucasian folks and unfortunately like different ethnicities have different body shapes, you know, that you're exposed to and different habits. And, and I don't think like growing up, I was exposed to a lot of women with, with curves, honestly, Mm -hmm. or if they they had curves, it was because they weren't taking care of themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, there wasn't that like representation of like a curvy body that was also taking care of themselves. The only people that were like working out were the people that were like starving themselves and like pushing themselves. And honestly, like that's, they, 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 um, and I don't want to, I don't even, I don't know how to say this in a way that's not going to be like, um, I don't want to be, to be, to be offensive, but it's like, you're not, I almost feel bad for the women that are restricting themselves because they just, they like, don't even look strong, you know, like you, you don't look as healthy. Like you don't look like you're taking care of yourself. And, um, Mm. you know what I mean? Like, I think like, if you're, if you're naturally more thin, that's one thing, but like, you can tell when someone's really taking care of themselves and eating well and, and doing it the right way. And, and it's unfortunate because I think, you know, Women, people are really hard on women. There's a lot of standards for women, which I think are getting better now, um, but it's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. And I think you're totally right that the standards, especially historically, like you're talking about, have been completely unfair and imbalanced. Yeah, it's encouraging like an unhealthy look is what I'm saying. You know, it's like really putting like an, an unhealthy um, perspective of what a woman should look like. I think, I think that's what it used to be. Yeah. Well, and I think what you're talking about is interesting too, because I think maybe the second most common, um, misconception is around the types of exercise. And I think a lot of people assume again, tied to, okay, if the goal is losing weight as much as possible, I need to go do as much cardio as possible. And like the goal Uh for a lot of people is, yeah. I need to just go on the treadmill or the party, you know, the elliptical or the stairmaster for an hour and yeah. do that because that burns more calories. But what you're talking about, not just what you said earlier, which I think is maybe the most important, which is around like confidence and empowerment. But if you are concerned with your actual aesthetics and body, you know, and yeah. build and, you know, this sort of like toning look, right. like toning is having strength it's like muscle yeah exactly yeah and so I think like the other misconception is is avoiding strength training to favor just doing cardio all the time and then you just get like kind of like frail and tired from that you know exactly really (laughs) though exactly and you're doing so much 
up these four pieces of lettuce. And it's just like, of course, of course you're struggling, you know? Well, and it's a lot of stress. And I think this is like the deeper thing is it's what you said, which is what I always think about is like from this place of empathy where it's like, A, people don't know. And B, like people are working their asses off. Like people are pushing themselves and working really hard and ultimately still feeling like upset or like they're not. And it's like, that's the sad part. It's not to say, oh, strength training is better or worse than cardio or whatever. It's just to be like, people should feel good. And the way health and fitness historically has been set up is in a way where people feel bad all the time. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, So what about, so as we sort of started down the, the path together, right? So one of those things was, yes, like fitness as a form of mental health and stress management, um, increasing your eating, um, especially around um, like protein, which is kind of tied to a lot of the similar stuff we were just talking about. Um, but what I always thought was amazing about you, and I'm trying to think the best way to word this, you were constantly willing to reflect on how things were going. And I think you were not the type of person, this has always been the best case scenarios is like willing to go down the rabbit hole together and talk about stuff and what's working and what's not working and how's your week look this week. And, mm-hmm. and, and that willingness allows you to evolve every week based on your actual life, not in some fantasy world where, you know, you can just do whatever you want all the time and never adjust. Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate you saying that. I actually get, I actually have um, received that feedback in personal areas and professional areas of my life. So I'm, I'm really, it makes me kind of happy that I'm very consistent with um, my appreciation for self-growth and self-reflection and et cetera. Um, yes. but I- talk, talk about that because I think that's a hugely underrated part of this process and, and then I'll shut up, but <laughs> the big problem with diets in the world in general is that they're not personalized. Like the, you know, whatever fad diet, it's just like, great, I'll just blindly follow this thing. What we're talking about is doing the opposite, which is like, all right, let's have this growth mindset and adjust and evolve. Like, where does that come from? What is that? What was that like for you? And how does that still show up for you? I mean, to be honest with you, I think, um, I've always been really, really hard on myself, you know, child of an immigrant, overachiever, perfectionist, people pleaser, all those things that, that get probably negative connotations that don't necessarily need to. But one like positive thing that I think that they all have in common is that you, you have this drive to improve and this drive to do more and et cetera. And I think when we're left to our own devices, we can sort of hide behind those insecurities and those shame and that drive can almost be negative and we're really harsh on ourselves and critical. But I think if you can kind of use that for good, especially what I find to be the most helpful is to have some sort of mediator, whether it's a health coach, a therapist, a mentor, or something like that, that can kind of help you switch over that, that, that thinking. So instead of me being in my own head, I can kind of come to you and be like, you know, okay, so this, this is not going well. This is this, I'm having a hard time with, I'm noticing patterns here and sort of taking advantage of having someone to kind of bounce off ideas off of a sounding board. I felt like that's something that's always really helped me change my perspective to be a bit more productive and a bit more positive. Um, and I think because I, I, practice that so willingly. And I've also always been such an open book that it's sort of that, that that's a muscle, right. And then it grows and you start to apply that everywhere in your life. And it only gets stronger and larger because you see that all of these little things that come up that, that can seemingly be negative or actually compasses showing you how to kind of improve and get to know yourself better and how to kind of work with yourself more. Um, so I think, I think I've, I've kind of learned that over time that it's, it's actually really nice to, to look at that mirror and work with it in a productive way instead of criticize yourself. Yeah. Um, so I, and I, and I think like working with 
um, in this example, like working with someone like a health coach is nice because it's like you have this safe space where you can talk about all these things in your head and it doesn't feel silly or weird because that's that's the dedicated dedicated time for that. And it's a professional that's willing to chat through with you. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I just always have this perspective of like, why not make something fun and why not make something productive? Things are things are so hard the first time, like might as well make it as productive as possible. So I ideally don't have to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Or ideally, like, don't have to learn the same lessons over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't ever like love if you're going to do it. You might as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's I don't know if that answers your question. But... No, it does. It does. I mean, I think, I think, though, part of what you're saying is, I mean, it goes beyond health and fitness and uh, nutrition and this kind of stuff. But, like, even if you look at therapy, right, like, you go in to a session with a therapist and it's like, all right, here's my 45, 50 minutes, whatever it is, where we're going to do a deep dive into whatever's going on in this space and we'll see where it goes. And what's interesting is people might do that with something like therapy, but not think to do that with their body, like their physical health, right? Like the therapy is, it's like, all right, we are doing this for our mental health. Let's explore Whereas for your physical health, it's like, nope, just do, you know, whole 30 and that's it. And don't talk about it. And it's like, wait, what? Like, what do you even mean? Like, yeah, what does change, you know? And I mean, this is probably a very existential conversation <laughs> for some people that are like, I just want to know how to learn, lose 20 pounds. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> you know what? Like, this, but this sure. is the stuff that's real. Like, this is the stuff that actually works. Cause like you can lose 20, like if you really wanted to, you could lose 20 pounds as quick as yeah. possible. And then, the real question you have to ask yourself whenever somebody says, I want to lose blank weight as fast as possible is okay. And then what happens? And it's like, if you haven't gone through the process we're talking about the, and then what happens is, well, then you just gain it back. And that's, and that's actually, that makes me think of what I also want to say about um, why I like to take that approach too, is because I've always, I've always been a very big avid learner, mm. always love to learn. Um, and I, I just feel like, I want to learn how to make the, like, like, what are these changes doing to my body? How are they impacting things? What works for me? And you're not really going to, to be able, you know, teach him, teach a man how to give a man a fish he eats for a day, teach a man how to fish he eats for life. You know what I mean? So I'd rather be able to like, especially having a tool like you optimize health, like learn as much as I, or a therapist, et cetera, learn as much as I can so that I can help myself in the future and move forward. So I can kind of like keep moving you know, have an active role in my life in my my development you know um absolutely well because the way you're and tell me if this is fair what you're saying is it's not even in a coaching setting it's not a person or a program just saying all right here are the good foods here are the bad foods just eat the good ones and hope to god every day you have willpower you're actually checking in and learning as you go. Like, okay, I notice when I eat this way, I feel this way. I notice this around the timing of my meals. I notice this around meal prep and my work schedule. And then asking what yourself, what you like, you know, like, okay, peanut butter has a lot of fat. Well, guess what? I like peanut butter. I'm going to be happier throughout the day. If I have a little bit of peanut butter in my smoothie every morning, every morning, you know what I mean? Like just just have the freaking peanut butter. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think just also finding out what I like or, or certain workouts, you know, like I was doing so many hit workouts. I hate it. I hate it. It's hard on my body. It doesn't work well for me. I've had knee injuries. I, 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 I'm not coordinated in, in that, that way. And I feel, I, I never look forward to it. I dread it through the entire time. Mm. Whereas a strength training workout, I'll take any, like, I'll take over I'll take that over anything, you know, or like a kickboxing workout. So I think like enjoying that also. And so, so yeah, finding out what doesn't work for you, but I think also like, again, changing that perspective, what does work for you? Like, what do you like? And that was something I remember we worked on too, that I still have, I still do today is for example, I know we were trying to increase like veggie intake and it turned to the colder months and I just like hated having salads and et cetera. And it sounds so simple, but you, I remember you were like, well, why don't you roast your vegetables? <laughs> and right. it's like simple little things that you can do that make you be like, instead of, instead of this negative perspective, you can kind of change it to see what works for you and what you like and look forward to. So it doesn't have to be this like 
I keep using the word punitive, but I just think it, it it's it can really easily go there with your your um your fitness, which is really sad. Well, and I think what you're saying too is noticing that just as seasons change, your life change, your sleep changes, totally. like your eating and your exercise should change too. And it shouldn't just be this fix. Like, well, I eat salads every day forever. And yeah. so, you're like, what? Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And that's something that I thought, um, that's actually another thing that I got away from you. And I'm not just like putting all these plugs in because I feel obliged. I'm, I'm, they're genuinely things I was thinking of, but like, I remember I was injured and we were working together and I was like really frustrated with my injury, just, you know, um, classic, just being really hard on myself. And, and you were like, well, you know, like you don't have to stop, you can adapt, you know, or it's okay to rest or you could do more low impact or we can pull back or we can change. And that's something that I still carry with me today. Um, because as you know, I was having so many back problems in the, for the past few months. So yeah. I was someone that was working out five days a week and then doing an active recovery day. And then I had to stop all of that. I couldn't even walk for 15 minutes because I was having so many back issues and things like that. So there was like a three to four month period where I really, really couldn't do much other than like stretch, like PT stretches. Yeah. And um, I, I thought of our conversation and, and our experiences together because I realized that, you know, that. I'm not stopping. I just have to adapt. You know, it's not, it's not, it's a lifestyle. It's not like my, my fitness is done, you know? So I started like putting on my workout clothes and setting mm -hmm. out aside time, get my water bottle. And I mean, I was just doing some stretches on the floor, but I had the mindset of like, this is my time for myself. Like this is my dedicated movement and strengthening moment. You That's know? beautiful. That's yeah. amazing. See, this is what I mean. You're like, I know you're talking about a lot of it through our work, but you get it. Like you get it with this stuff, which is incredible. Yeah. And I think to your point, that's another, I mean, another huge thing that I don't think people think about too much is they think, okay, if I'm working out, well, if I'm going to set aside the time, I need to maximize the yeah. calories, which is why I'm going to go do this hit class, even though I risk injury every time I do it, I'm going to do it because, you know, whatever. And it's like, to your point, it should be a form of self-care. It should be a form of taking care of yourself and your body and your mind and all these things. Mm -hmm. And when you put that lens on it, some days that means foam rolling for an hour. And yeah. some days that means doing a super intense workout. And some days it could mean running. Like it doesn't matter. Especially for women, because our, our menstrual cycle, we're sort of yeah. all over the place physically. And there's, there's things, you know, that I just can't do at certain points. And that, that's actually kind of something I'm trying to figure out now, but I think your, your cycle impacts things heavily too, what you can do. Absolutely. Well, and I think, um, you know, and I don't claim to be an expert on that <laughs> topic, admittedly, but, but you're hundred percent right. And like, it's funny, like our coach Maddie is about to launch a whole or is launching oh, yeah. a program on this. And in talking to her, I mean, it's exactly that. It's like, yeah, there are four phases of your cycle and your nutrition should change and your exercise, your sleep, your stress, everything, all the routines need to adjust with right. that. And just like, I mean, that's just one of many categories we're talking about where it's like, I think people are so quick to just look for what is the quickest way to do this or what is the thing I'm missing? And then I need to hopefully have discipline to do that magic thing every day forever. What works for them over there? <laughs> right. Or like, oh, my friend's doing this thing and it's really working for them. So I'm going to go do it. Yeah. And there's no part of that process where you're actually learning about yourself. Yeah. And that's totally. the big problem. And it doesn't have to be the most. There was, um, I think it was the book of like Atomic Habits or something like that, that also there was something in there that that resonated with me as well about like building habits of, you know, like to, to be that person that does something you can, maybe you just have to do it one minute every day. You know, it doesn't always have to be an hour yeah. or two hours every day. And that kind of stuck with me because I can be such a perfectionist that sometimes I get in my head, like I got to go for an hour and I got to do this and I got to do that. But sometimes like you only have the time or the energy to do 30 minutes, to do 20 minutes, to do five minutes and to still take advantage of doing that. Then that still allows you to feel the empowerment of, I am that person 
that is choosing a healthy lifestyle. You know what I mean? Without like, I, I think I try to focus more on that than focusing on like how many calories I burn, just focusing more on like, did I show up for myself today? And in, in, in the way that I wanted to be too, you know what I mean? Like, am I being the person that I, that I wanted to be? So yeah, I get really deep with my fitness, but I think it's important. <laughs> I think it's all related. Well, no, I mean, as you should, it's fantastic. And I think the word I usually use for that is like identity, the identity piece of the whole thing, which is like, I am a person who does blank, you know, and when you shift that thinking, that's where magical things happen too. Where it's like, it's like, I'm a person who works out on Thursdays every week. So on Thursday, you're more likely to work out if you're telling yourself that you're a person who works out on Thursdays or whatever, you know? And I think you're right. I mean, with Atomic Habits, I think the example, um, or at least one of the examples that they talk about in the book is, you know, it's not to say I need to go read 50 pages of a book. It's to say I am a reader. So you mm -hmm. could read one page every day and you are a reader. That's a mm -hmm. more profound change then I really need to find two hours to go read 50 pages right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Like I'm a person who exercises. I'm a person who eats healthy. Like these stories, these kind of labels, this identity piece is huge. And I think that for people who either are at the very beginning or haven't really started or know they should, you know, whether it's lose weight or they want to lose weight or eat healthier, work on their mental health, whatever it is, I think the biggest hurdle early on is that that identity piece isn't there mm. for a lot of people. Not everybody, you know, has the same. Find that with your clients a little bit, that the identity. Yeah, a thousand there. percent. Yeah. I think, I think it's with clients. I think it's like even looking at me, like when I, you know, lost 130 pounds, like when I was starting out and I'm well over 300 pounds, I was not like by all definitions, I was not, um, you know, I wasn't healthy. I wasn't fit. I wasn't moving I at all. To that podcast episode. I texted you about that. That was intense. Yeah. Everyone should to that one. What episode is that one, Ethan? That's a good one. That I have to look back on which one. That was a very vulnerable, right? That was the one about crying. Oh, there was the seven times I cried. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's my most listened to podcast, actually. Yeah, it was yeah. a good one. Uh, very, very vulnerable. Anybody listening, go check it out. Um, but, you know, a big piece when I look back on that, that's interesting. And I've analyzed and still analyzed what worked for me in that process. A huge piece was that like I, when I first started, I was going on a walk every morning. Right. And so even though I was 312 pounds, even though I had never cooked a meal really, or was eating fast food every day, for that period of time, like I, I am a person that walks every morning. And that was just a story that I told myself. And at the time, I was not actually a person that was walking every morning. Yeah. But if I started telling myself that, then every morning I would get up, tell myself that sentence and go do it. And, you know, it makes a huge difference because then it's, oh, I'm a person who meal preps on Sunday. I'm a person who does this. And I think for you, what was really cool, and I think for a lot of people, what's cool is watching that shift happen, where maybe initially, it's kind of like a curiosity, like, oh, I'm curious about this thing. And then you're like, oh, I kind of like this thing. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm a person who does this thing. Yeah. And once you reach that point, it gets way easier to stay consistent. Yeah. And then you feel like you can apply it to everywhere. I remember I used to like, I used to judge my boyfriend so much for being that guy that like ran to the gym, and then ran back. And then had a smoothie. And I was just like, God, you are so intense. And then one day I remember being that person. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, wait, am I that person now? Yeah. And I and I felt so good about it. But it's also like, I think when you when you feel that transformation is so empowering that mm -hmm. you can take that exact template and apply it to other areas of your life and see that transformation there, which is why I, I think I 
take such a, this like holistic existential approach to my fitness, because it's such a cool way to build strength and, and to be able to do something, um, and, and, and gain that confidence. Like I can do hard things. I can change, I can do challenging things and you can actually, it's tangible and you can see those results as long as you stick to it and the consistency. And I mean, to bring it back, cause I know you really wanted to relate it back to like everyday folks, like I feel like my friends all the time, people I know all the time, I'm like, I, you know, I'll, I'll say like, I have a huge morning routine. You know that I know you're the same way and I'll talk to people all the time. And they're just like, I have, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. And I don't push it because I think everyone has like their own journey, but I'm sure you hear this too, but like people make the time and it doesn't have to be three hours every day. Right. Like it can be five minutes that you go for a walk. It can be five minutes that you journal or you meditate or you don't, you just take a few breaths if your brain doesn't slow down. So I think like, there's also this, you're sort of restricting yourself by telling yourself, like, I'm not that person. I don't do that. I'm too busy. I'm like, it's, it's that same thing of shifting that mindset of like, but I am, you know, and like, by just doing it, literally, sometimes I'll, I meditate every day and sometimes I'll literally meditate for five minutes or I'll just take a few breaths. Yeah. And that just makes me feel like at least I'm still showing up for myself. Well, it's exactly right because you are a person who meditates. It's just like we were saying with the reading. It's the same thing. doesn't matter if it's 10 seconds one day. Yeah. It maintains the identity. And I think what you just hit on is so spot on. Um, And yeah, I mean, I um, find it challenging to hear it all the time, but I agree people have their own journey. But like this concept of I don't have the time to me gets very frustrating honestly yeah, because I'm just coach, like, well I'm just I'm like okay well what are you making time for instead like the yeah. all the same clock or whatever that Netflix show last week you obviously have a few hours <laughs> yeah or or you know what and again I know it's easier said than done and there's a process and kind of a methodology to it and all this stuff but when people say to you, you know, I don't have the time that goes back to exactly what we're talking about, which is these are all just stories we tell ourselves. hundred percent. We're like blocking ourselves. And I think that's why it triggers me so much because I, like everyone have worked through a lot of like, still work through obviously, but working through a lot of like negative thinking and, and self-doubt and just like, honestly, these restrictions that we put on ourselves, you know, or these really high bars that we set for ourselves of like these weird expectations, you know what I mean? Like, um, so I, I get really frustrated with it too, because I used to be that way. And I think it's, I mean, I, I don't want to sound rude. But I think it's like a bit of a cop out. Like I, I do think it takes, it, it's hard to get there, but I think like once that clicks in your brain, you see like, oh, like, yeah, I, I, I could have took the five minutes to do that. Or maybe, you know, you start and you start with like five minutes a week. You don't have to do it every day, you know? Yeah. I think it's funny. I have, um, I know people are listening to this, but I'm going to hold up a piece of paper. I keep this. It's literally sitting right oh. here on my desk. Yeah which says whatever story you tell yourself, your actions will prove to be true. And it's like exactly what we're talking about. Like if you say, I go to the gym on Thursdays, I take a walk every morning, I read, I meditate, then you just go and do the stuff. You do it. And the thing that I get a little, um, it's not even like I get frustrated because I do have empathy and I get it. The thing where I want to like shake people sometimes and be like, I promise your entire life could change if you stop <laughs> just saying like I don't have time. Like if you just stopped saying that those four words, like your entire life would open up, but you just keep saying I'm too busy, I don't have time and all this, you know. But to your point on a on a larger level is which I think is fascinating is the self-talk. You said it earlier like I don't know, half an hour ago even when you were like, yeah, I put on my what was the playlist called? Oh, Bad Bitches Get Fit. Yes. <laughs> Which I want to hear, by the way. I want you to say yeah. that. Uh, yeah. But you put on the playlist and it's not just about the time, but you had said you like hype yourself up. Yeah, totally. That yeah. is a huge thing that I do too. I do it every day. I did it this morning going to the gym. Yeah. And I, you know, people just, amazing? you got to hype yourself up sometimes. And if that's, it's in your head and self-talk, like you're a badass, you've got this, go do it, you know, or sometimes it needs to be 
get up. I know it's really comfy on the couch right now, but you're going to feel so good when you go to the gym or, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes it's watching, you know, I'll, if I really need the motivation, I'll find, you know, videos of like Michael Jordan. I'm like, whatever it takes. Like I'm, I remember like 5 a.m. Yeah. Like I'm looking up like Michael Jordan highlight reels. And I'm like, what yeah. the hell is going on? But like, whatever. Oh, but whatever. it's also, you know, it's true though. Like the language that we use really impacts ourselves. And I feel like there's so many self-care podcasts that say that, but it's so true. And my, my therapist, um, one of the therapists I've worked with, he was, he was so great. He's like really blunt and, and kind of like, and he would interrupt me while I would speak to correct me with the way that I was speaking because I wasn't, and I loved it because I didn't even realize how much we're saying things like, for example, he'd ask me why I do something or like why I think that is. And I, I would reply, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. And he would stop me and he would be like, you do know. So take a second. And he would like very awkwardly, at least in my end, make me sit there or like in silence for like a minute and think about like why I had X pattern and, and why, and, you know, and, and not accept me saying, I don't know, and not saying I'll try, but saying I'll do it, or I do it, or I am doing it. Um, and I think like it, 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 it sounds so simple, but I, I, I'm sure I know you're the same way as I am with these things, but these small changes they make such a large impact. And the way that we talk to ourselves is I really think where it begins. hundred mm, percent. The other, the other really common one, and you're right, because it starts with you, right? Like at the end of the day, like ultimately nobody can care as much as you can, if you want to make the changes. But the other really common one is when the sort of part two of it is if you do have some goal or I will really plan on doing this or whatever, where you'll say to yourself or I'll have, you know, coaching clients say to me too, like, and I hope I do this or like, like there are sometimes at the end of a session or somebody's traveling and we're looking up healthy restaurants near where they're staying and whatever. And it's like, and hopefully this happens. And yeah. I'm like, well, now it's definitely not going to happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not the way and it again it's not ever from a place of judgment or anything like that but it's just like to your point like correcting people you're on the leaving way room you're leaving room for you to not do it yeah and like if you say well hopefully this happens then it does exactly right you're giving yourself an out space in you know a way to kind of like a cop out to an extent of the whole thing and none of this is to say oh it's easy like it's incredibly hard it's like yeah. I mean, it's a lot of self-discipline and I think you've probably learned this from working with a lot of clients too. Like it's so much to unpack. Like there's so many emotional, like, I think that's one thing I didn't realize when we were working together, like how emotional it would be. Not, and I, I didn't have like these really traumatic experiences with food. I, I wasn't, you know, ever overweight to a degree that it was like bullied or anything, but it was still emotional, like the connection with food and like, you know, getting like being upset with myself for not being able to do anything like, or like that, that, that self-discipline. And that's, what's, what's not nice too, is like, if you're telling yourself, you're kind of like putting yourself down by saying like, I can't do it. It's not going to happen. Hopefully I do it. Like you got to believe in yourself. If you're not gonna believe in yourself. No one else is. So by saying like, hopefully it happens. It's like, well, then it sounds like you don't really believe in yourself and you believe in your capability, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, it is like, we're talking about, like, this stuff is really hard. Like it yeah. really is. I know we're taught, it's easy now to talk about it in a different way of like, oh, it's just negative self-talk. And it's like, no, it's so self-talk is like, yeah. the air we breathe. It's like happening constantly without us realizing it. So it's incredibly hard. And you know, I always am empathetic for anybody going through it, especially because I've, yeah. I've been through every, I mean, we've like never had a client where I didn't go through okay. some, you know, similar situation wow. and it's really hard stuff. But I think because it's really hard is why you need to find all of these strategies and tools. That just, work for you. Yeah. That work for you, that are personalized to you, but that also put you in a position to have the highest chance of success. Yeah. And I think what, what makes a big difference too, is like, to just think about that moment, you know, like, I think I, I know for me too, like I can get really stressed out thinking about like having to eat well for the entire week. Like we just got back from 
traveling and and my my back has been kind of like I'm doing better now. So I'm finally able to go back to the gym. This was my first week back. Nice. And, yeah. And I and I was thinking of like, oh my God, how am I gonna, how am I gonna move every day this week? Like that sounds awful. That sounds terrible. How am I gonna shift back what I'm eating? And I have to change like thinking of all the things that I want to change and instead trying to just look at it in like micro decisions, you know, and just like make one good decision next. And I, and I know that's such a like simplistic strategy, but I've found that helps a lot for me too, you know, because I can get really overwhelmed with my schedule or, or what I need to do or et cetera. And it's just like, okay, I'm thirsty. Like, do I like, why don't I just grab a cup of water, you know, and just like making that one decision allows me to feel better. You know what I mean? Or like making one good decision for lunch. And then you just feel really good about that one decision you made. And the next thing you know, you look back and it's like a week has gone by and you've made not perfect decisions, but you've made a ton of great decisions that you wouldn't have made if I think if you thought about tackling the entire week at once. Mm. Uh, that's something that's really helped me, especially for when I'm really stressed and like strapped for time and things. Wow. I love it. I mean, that's so spot on. And especially looking now, like it's, it's been a little over two years, right? Since we stopped working together. We stopped January yeah. of 21, um, which is wild to think about. So it's been two years since we stopped. Yeah. Almost, so I guess I'd be almost three years since we started but we're kind of shifting forward and this is i mean i feel like we've rattled off like 50 different strategies that are helpful which is awesome but over these last two years you know especially through the lens of your life evolves and there are going to be moments of highs and lows and motivation and all this like where are we at how are you doing how are you feeling what have the last two years of your health been like since we um you know stopped working together yeah well I was really excited to talk to you about this part because I think it's just been so full circle honestly so I, after I stopped working with you I started going to um a gym near me that had like these workout classes and every morning so I would go at least like probably four to five times a week it was like a strength hit class and then I'd take like a kickboxing class and I was doing that um, yeah, three to three to four times or four to five times a week. Um, and I started noticing and I loved it, right? Like it made me feel really good. It made me feel big. I had the community. I liked that. It was just like showing up someone telling me what to do. And it was every morning and I felt great. And I listened to my playlist on the way. And I found in, in hindsight, I realized that I was injuring myself every week. Mm. <laughs> I didn't realize it while it was happening. I went there for probably like about a year. Um, and I just noticed I was having these like aches and and et cetera. And I, I was pushing myself too much. Like these, these no, nothing against going to those gym classes. Like everyone does. Like I get it. I'm someone with a busy schedule. I love just like showing up and et cetera, but they're not customized like you're talking about. And if you're taking those classes, without knowing what works for you, what modifications you need, what weights you need, when you need rest, what like what moves maybe you should swap out or not or skip or something like that. I think they're really dangerous, you know, and if you're not sure how to warm up or, or cool down. So I, I kind of had that journey and then I ended up actually, um, I was in uh, Mexico City for five weeks and I joined Orange Theory there. Um, this is not an ad for Orange Theory, but I loved it. And it okay. was, like, it felt really simple. Like it has like this structure for those not familiar. It's like you're on the treadmill or you're on the rower and then it's got this mix. So you've got that cardio and then it's got this mix with um like some weight training yep. that's like intentional. And it doesn't feel like you're doing the most, you know, like in those hit classes I was doing, I really walked out every day feeling like, you know, I was an Olympian or something. And with Orange Theory, I just felt like I was kind of like getting a workout. I had never been more fit in my life after those five weeks of going to Orange Theory. I, wow. went five, I went five days a week for five weeks. I was really into it. Wow. Yeah. And I felt really good and I, and I felt really strong. And then from there, when I came home, I decided to work with a, another friend in the fitness world who was a trainer so that this way I could understand, um, I wanted to learn more specifically about my body, like more body awareness, what works yeah. for me, doesn't work for me. Um, you know, our bodies are built certain ways. I'm flat footed. I've had ACL surgery. So there's just certain 
things that aren't the best for me. Um, yeah. so, and, and trying to figure out how to do that or, or just like tendencies. Um, so I've been working with a trainer and, and figuring out those personalized moves. And then I had this back issue that kind of completely set me back, completely took me out. I couldn't, I couldn't turn to, to, um, going to the gym, which was my number one stress reliever. Mm. Um, and I, and I think that that was really hard for me. So I think it was like getting into the mental game and, and turning to PT and, the reason why I say it comes full circle is because, you know, like we've been talking about, I actually had this super simple comment that my physical therapist made, but basically I was asking her like, what do I need to do to get this back pain to go away? You know, like it was so debilitating. And she was like, you're doing all the right things. What's going to, what's going to determine your success of and your health is completely on you. Like, it's going to be what you decide to do, what you upkeep with. And you know what I mean? Like, wow, it sounds so simple, but I, I, the next day, you know, cause you, if you don't go to the gym for three months, you totally lose it. I don't care if you go five times, like you cut, totally lose the will to go. You totally lose the endurance. Yep. And I was sitting on the couch and I was thinking of my PT exercises. She wanted me to do that take 30 minutes. And I was like, God, that sounds awful. And I thought of her saying like, your, your health depends completely on you and like what you do. And I literally got on the floor and I started doing my exercises and I had I think like that week I ended up having this like debilitating um, back flare up where I like couldn't sleep. I had to be post up, blah, blah. The most I could do is like slowly stretch from side to side. But mm -hmm. even once that pain got better, I, I stretched a little bit more. So then I stretched five minutes every morning, every night, then 10 minutes every morning, every night, then started doing strengthening every morning, every night. And then six weeks later, I built it back where I could get like that full movement and, and, and kind of get those basics in. And now that I'm at a healthy point, I'm starting to go back to the gym and like regain strength and et cetera. So that was a really long winded explanation, but I just wanted to share that with you because I think it's so cool how like it was this full circle of like everything that you've sort of taught me of like getting really into it, personalizing it for myself and then not getting held down by the setbacks. I think that's beautiful. And when yeah. you say your health fully depends on you, I got like the chills, honestly, um, because it's true. And I think I love to hear that. First of all, I want to give you like a giant hug because I'm so proud of you. But but I think what you're talking about is, you know, whether it's, okay, um, I think it was Mexico City, you said, and I found this gym, this Orange Theory class that I love, and I'm doing this five days a week, and I'm feeling like a beast, like a superhero. Going to being doing nothing. Can't even walk 15 minutes. Yeah. And then fast forward where you're like, all right, now my back is having this flare up and I can barely move. You know, both of them are equally um, equal examples of real life, of reality. Totally. Like neither yeah. is neither is even better or worse is the yeah. interesting thing. It's just things that will happen in life and they will both probably happen again. Right. And, and the big thing is, to not like using that as an example, the big lesson or, you know, whatever from it is there are going to be phases in your life, right? Where you're hyper motivated and you're crushing your workouts and you're feeling fitter than ever. And then there are going to be phases where the healthiest thing you can do that day is your PT stretches. Like that wow. is the equivalent of that badass hour at Orange exactly. Theory. They're equally good for you just at different times of your life. Exactly. And so you needing to adapt and not say, well, now I'm worse than I was when I was doing these Orange Theory workouts and I'm doing this lesser thing by doing my exactly. back stretches. Like that's equally, if not more healthy on that day. I mean, it's definitely healthier <laughs> with a bad back than doing the Orange Theory class. So it's just like it was a and adapting is everything. And I think that mind shift helped me because actually it was another PT that said to me, I, I was really eager to get back into the gym because I was like, I got to get back, got back. And another PT that I was working with said to me, he was like, this is your gym. Like this, this is your workout program. Like you've got to see it that way. And I'm glad you told me that because then I was so much more intentional. Like I wasn't just kind of like rolling around on the ground, like, you know, like doing some like casual stretching. Like I was doing it with a lot more intention, seeing how my body was moving, holding things, doing things. And it's actually, it, it, it does feel as if you do it intentionally, it's just as impactful as those really intense beast workouts, because you're being extremely mindful. You're controlling small, 
muscles, which I think are underrated because everybody always wants to move the big muscles, not the small ones. And you're moving small, like slowly and intentionally. And it's cool because you're like rebuilding a foundation, which I think is really nice. Beautiful. I think, I mean, I have so many words, but you are so amazing. I think you are a prime example of true health, honestly, and kind of what healthy actually means. Um, I have one more question for you. Final question. We ask everybody, drum roll. Um, So when we've talked about everything we've talked about, which we've covered a ton of ground, self-talk, fitness, nutrition, um, myths and misconceptions, strength training, cardio, uh, therapy, you know, all we've covered a lot. How would you, how would you define true health? Oof. I think, um, honestly, I, I, I would define it as like the way that you feel feeling good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I had more, I don't think I have like a super nuanced response to it, but I think that when you're really in a nice place of health, you're very balanced. I feel balanced. I feel grounded. I feel calm, confident, strong. And I mean, I I think I like to focus more on the emotions that I get out of it because I don't like to get caught up on like how I look or what my weight is or, you know, how many calories I burned that day or how often I worked out that week or feeling bad about the piece of cake I might've had that day or something. So I think I just kind of like to focus on being balanced. And I think that's like my, the true health goal or true health for me. That is so beautiful and spot on. I love it. Um, MJ, you are the greatest. And um, I, I said this throughout, but you genuinely are the prime example of somebody who has taken a personalized approach to your health, but also a, like an empowered uh, Mm -hmm. view of your health, right? You've shifted it. The identity has changed. You are controlling the future outcome of your life. And it's like in your own hands. And that's a beautiful thing. So I'm sure anybody listening to this will uh, see you as a great role model. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. This was really nice. Of course. Um, Anybody listening, um, I will put links to MJ's work. If you ever want to just hang, if you ever want to ask questions, she's an amazing producer. If you ever have any great projects, um, (laughs) hit her up up and, um, you know, reach out to me anytime with any questions as well. MJ, Thank you so much. And um, let's end it there. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks.